Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Now, really what we've been talking about was bearing fruit for the kingdom. And how appropriate that we speak of fruit bearing as I'm digging my wife a garden, right? <laughs> so thank you, Crystal. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But you know, I was thinking about all the illustrations from the scriptures. You know, about the catch of fish, the fishermen, the, the, the gardens, the agricultural things, you know. Um, the shepherding. All the illustrations and the parables had to do with things like that. And you know, there's two reasons for that. The first reason is, those illustrations really explain how the kingdom works. But the, I think the real reason for that is because that's what people understood back then. The kingdom of heaven is not supposed to be something difficult. It's like, you know how fishing works? You do? Well, then you can understand the kingdom. Do you know what it's like to plant a seed and reap a harvest? Well, the kingdom of heaven works just like that. God wasn't trying to make it difficult. He was trying to make it easy. The Pharisees made it difficult, right? They had all the rules and the regulations, and they had all these things. And the Jesus said, what? You are standing in the way. You're not entering into the kingdom yourself, and you're preventing those who want to enter from entering. You're a, you're a hindrance. But you come to Jesus, and it's like, oh, you understand how you understand how you, you, know, you grow everything you eat? Well, the kingdom of heaven works like that. You know, what, what, what would parables be like today? You know, maybe instead of Jesus, the good shepherd, because nobody, I mean, we know what a shepherd is, but I don't know a shepherd personally, except my dog. She's an Australian shepherd. Yeah. She tries to herd my kids around the yard. <laughs> but maybe, maybe instead of the good shepherd, maybe we'd be better off explaining Jesus as the good coach. You know, he sees your potential. He works with you to develop it. He works with you to have a disciplined life so you can realize your full potential. Maybe Jesus would have talked about a coach today. You know, sports are really big in our culture now. Maybe Jesus would have talked about that. Maybe instead of weeds growing in your, in your wheat field, maybe Jesus would have talked about mold growing in your basement. <laughs> you know those dark, dark places where the light doesn't shine? You know that smell? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he'd be talking about that dark, dark heart. And never sees the light of God's word. Be careful, because funky stuff can be growing in there. Stuff that'll kill you. Jalapenos. Maybe instead of yeah, maybe instead of we uh, maybe instead of um, planting good things in your heart, so that you can pull them out in your life. Maybe he would talk to you about putting good things in your refrigerator, so that you know when your guests come over and you want to pull out that T-bone steak and grill it. You're not going to be able to pull out that T-bone steak out of your refrigerator if all you've been putting in there is pizza pockets. <laughs> so when your company comes over and you want to impress them with your, your, your steak and you go to, to your refrigerator and all you have is pizza pockets, guess what you're going to serve them? <laughs> probably nothing. You're probably be too embarrassed. <laughs> you just wait through that awkward time when it's past dinner and hope they leave before it really gets bad. <laughs> And then you, then, you, then you offer to go ahead and order something, you know? <laughs> DoorDash, thank God. <laughs> no, but if you don't put the steak in your refrigerator, you're not going to have it. If you put pizza pockets in there, when you go to your refrigerator, that's all you're going to get out. Your heart works the same way, right? You put good things in your heart, and then that's what you have to come out of your life. Maybe Jesus would talk about the Holy Spirit being like a GPS. 
you know? When you're driving or whatever and you dial in your GPS and it knows exactly where you are, exactly where you need to go, and he's got a plan to get you from where you are to where you need to be. Maybe that would be a good parable, huh? Could be. The only problem is I think a lot of people, they turn their location services off because they want to really live in denial about where they are. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> you know, the first thing to do about it, it, the first thing you need to do to get to where you need to go is locate where you are. Mm-hmm. That's what repentance is, isn't it? So turn on your location service. Let's be real about where we are. If we didn't make it, if we failed, if we made a mistake, God, I'm, this is just where I'm at right now. I see that's where you want me to be, but I'm going to turn on my location service. You locate me. I'm not somewhere where I pretend to be. I'm where I am at. But if I'll turn that thing on, he'll have a program. Step by step, in 300 feet, turn left. He'll take me to where he wants me to be. But if I'm not honest about where I am, I'll never get there. And so it was with the Pharisees. They had this pseudo-righteousness that came from keeping their own rules. They completely missed the intention of God's law. Because their approval came from one another. Right? Jesus said, your problem is your approval comes from one another, not from God. Your approval came from one another. They had the appearance of godliness, but they didn't have the power to live a real holy life. They weren't connected to God. They were... Christmas trees. Christmas trees. Think about it. Pretty on the outside. People decorate, hang ornaments on them. But they're dead. They're disconnected from life. It's a Christmas tree. God doesn't want us to be Christmas trees. He didn't come to give us a bunch of rules to follow. He didn't come just to decorate us on the outside. He came to connect us to the vine. So that the beautiful fruit you see in our lives comes from a life connected to him. Not something that other people hung on the outside just so it looks good for a season. And then you have to go there and get rid of that tree and get a new tree. A new dead tree. Hang more ornaments on it. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You need to be connected to God. He works on the inside. He wants to put his life-giving, spirit-filled word in your heart. Let that be the source of life. The fountainhead of life. And so if you remember, he said to the Pharisees in Matthew 21, 43, I'm telling you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. And if you remember last week, our point, our single point was, God is looking for fruit bearers. So what was Israel's calling? We covered it last week, but just a quick review. Israel's calling was this, to be a light to the nations. Israel was called to be a nation of priests. And Israel was the keeper, the Bible says in Romans, of the oracles of God. But if you remember what Israel failed to do, God did in Jesus. And because we are in Jesus, we are the people chosen to bear fruit for the kingdom. You are a fruit bearer. You're God's garden. So I introduced three things that we need to do to ensure that we are bearing fruit for the kingdom. Thing number one, we covered it last week, was get connected and protect your connection. 
Because if you're born again, you're already connected to God. You're already wired to hear his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. You don't have to try to hear his voice. It's a natural thing. What you might have to do is unplug from all the other voices that you're listening to that are keeping you from hearing his voice. But it's a natural thing to hear his voice. It's a natural thing to be led by him. It's a natural thing for his life to flow through your life and bring fruit. But we have to maintain that connection. You know, I talked on Wednesday a little about some of this stuff on Wednesday. And uh, when things go, go wrong in your life, the first thing to connect to check is that connection. You ever call customer service about a computer, you know, or read the troubleshooting guide, and the first thing they say is, is it plugged in to a working outlet? <laughs> like, duh, I know that. <laughs> I know that much. I didn't call you to tell me that. But that why? Because if it's not plugged in, nothing will work, right? You know, if we're sitting here in church and the TVs go off, you know, okay, okay there must be a problem back there in the splitter or something. Let's troubleshoot it, right? But if I'm sitting here and the TV goes off, the mic goes off, and all the lights go off, and I hear the air conditioner kick off, I'm thinking, hey, we must not be connected to the electricity. Electricity makes everything work right. It'd be foolish to try to troubleshoot the TV and get it to work when there's no electricity. And then turn around and try to figure out what's wrong with the lights when there's no electricity, right? Why is the sound system not working? No electricity, right? Turn on the electricity, everything will probably work again. And if we stay connected to God, things work in our lives. It's when we are not connected and we try to do the Christian things to get the same results, right? Then we start making up rules about why it won't work. And then it gets very hard and very tedious. You know, you want to give up that habit, that addiction. You want to be prosperous, you know, godly prosperity. You know what I mean? You want to be walking the blessings of God. Well, here's the rules. And we've made rules out of everything. But he didn't come to give us rules. He came to give us life. Right? He came to give us, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life. And that more abundantly. Life in abundance. He wants life flowing through your life. And that'll keep all these other things energized. If you don't have that life flowing, nothing else really matters. But when you're connected to that life, we can expect to bear fruit. Amen? So God has good things in store for us. He's got good things in his heart and in his mind for us. The second thing to ensure that we bear fruit is to guard your garden. And the third is to develop Christian character. Now, the parable of the sower is in all three of the synoptic gospels. You'll find it in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and in Luke 8. And if I had to make a parallel of these three points, get connected, guard your heart, and develop Christian character, I would, if I had to make a parallel with that in the parable of the sower, here's how it would work. I would say, number one, Number one, get connected. That is speaking of that hardened heart. Remember, the seed fell on the path. The heart was hard. They couldn't hear, believe. The devil came and took what was sown so that they could not believe. They were never connected to God to begin with. A hard heart. What's important about that is because even as born-again Christians, we need to guard ourselves from having a hard heart. 
Because hardness of heart, we're not exempt from it. Just because we have a seed that came and is sprouting and is growing. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. We're talking about being connected and falling away. Leading you to fall away from the living God. Well, what? Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, it's quite possible to come and be connected to God, but let the things in this world draw you away and start a life of sin that will lead you to fall away, be deceived, and have a hardened heart. So we need to encourage one another. I mean, when we're here and we're talking about what God's doing in your life and in my life, and, in, and you know, we have this miracle, and we pray for this, and Maurice got a job, and, and all these different things, and, and we, get in, we get stirred up. It's, it it's encourages you to keep running and to run harder. Because if Maurice can get a job, I can get a job, you know? <laughs> I mean, maybe not. <laughs> God gave Maurice a job. <laughs> I can have a job, too. <laughs> but, but, you know, so-and-so can be healed, or so-and-so can get their prayer answered, then I can, too. I mean, that's, that is biblical, right? That's the biblical. I mean, even David was like, if I could kill the lion and I could kill the bear, I could kill the giant. And David would probably looked at any one of his soldiers and said, oh, you can kill a giant. And if you go on and read in the Old Testament, he had a bunch of giant killers. Goliath wasn't the only giant. He's just the first. I mean, they killed hundreds of giants, David and his mighty men. Giants were nothing to them. They kept moving and growing on it. We need to keep moving and growing in this line, encouraging one another and doing more for the kingdom of God, bearing more fruit and winning more victories. Right? Right? We can do it. So watch out. Don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, the second one, guard your heart. That's what I'm going to speak about today. Today, That would be compared to the seed sown among the thorns. What are the thorns? Thorns are other things that are growing in your garden that you need to get rid of if you want to bear fruit. You're going to have to trim them back, dig them up, pull them out, whatever. Your gardeners, you know what I'm talking about. Right? <laughs> so, um, and then the third one, develop Christian character. That would be a parallel with the stony heart. The stony heart. Remember, they had no root in themselves. And so they endured only for a while. They had no character to make a decision, nurture a seed, and develop it. So Christian character is important. But today, we're going to talk about those weeds in the heart. If you look with me at Matthew 13, it tells us what the weeds are. 13, verse 22. Jesus says, And for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world, and it proves unfruitful. So the seed was good, right? The sower sowed the word. There was not a problem with the seed. It went into this ground, and as it sprang up, other weeds, cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, choked it. And that seed that was perfect became unfruitful. It never produced. If you look at Mark 4.19, he adds another one. Mark, Mark says this, But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. And then Luke adds just yet another one. Luke 8, 14. 
And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go their way, they are choked by the cares, the riches, and he adds, the pleasures of life. And their fruit is not mature. The pleasures of life. It's a distraction. See, we have this awesome opportunity. We have God's word in us. We're connected to him. We have his life flowing in us. Yet, we can still do things if we allow these distractions to come in our lives that would make us unfruitful. And our lives would basically look like the life of the person who never received the seed. That's a sobering thought. Caring for things of this world. Being deceived by wealth. Desiring other things. And pursuing pleasures. I want to talk to you today about the importance of guarding your heart. I taught this a lot to kids. And uh, I actually love this. This is a great, 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 great verse. Proverbs 4.20-23. rather. says this. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. See, God gave Adam a garden, right? Created man, put him in a garden. You know, he gave, up, he gave you a garden. He gave you your heart. That's where things for the kingdom grow. And come, your heart is like that organ, if you will, that spiritual organ that incubates these things and grows them and brings them out into your life. That's why you have to guard your heart. Listen to the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, the King James says, for out of it spring the issues of life. Out of it spring the issues of life. The NIV, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. See, you are presently, right now, living out of your heart. Your life springs out of your heart. You know, you know how you can take two people and you put them in the exact same circumstances and one will fail and one will succeed? What's the difference? What's inside of them, right? You can take a rich man who is prosperous in his heart and put him in humble, a humble position and it won't be very long and you'll see him starting to gain wealth. You can take a poor man who has poverty in his heart and give him a million dollars and you can measure in months the time it will take before he ends up losing it all, spending it all. What's the difference? One had prosperity in his heart. One had poverty in his heart. Because you live out of your heart. So more important than your circumstances is to take care of your heart, to guard your heart. You know your heart will actually enhance or hinder your prayers. Your heart will. No matter what you say, your heart has the power to undermine what you're praying for. You know the verse, Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and what? Does not doubt. Does not doubt where? In his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. See, you're most effective when your heart 
and your prayers and your mouth are in agreement. Would you agree? Amen. Believe in your heart. What's it say, Romans 10, 9, 10, 10, 9 and 10? If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe where? In your heart that God raised him from the dead. The fruit of that is what? Salvation. Right? You need your heart lined up with your mouth. It's exactly what I was speaking about when I said, um, when I was teaching on the Lord's Prayer a, a month or so ago, and I said, you pray with your words, and you pray with your life. I think sometimes we focus so much on saying the right thing on the words that we have not realized that our life is a prayer. Our heart is praying constantly, whether we're vocalizing it or not. Our heart is always working to bring these things that are in it to pass. So you pray with your words, you pray with your life. And this is because what's directing your life is more than just words. It's this thing called the intention of your heart. The intention of your heart. Looking back at that um, Proverbs 4.23, it says in the literal standard version, Above every charge, keep your heart, for out of it are the outgoings of life. Out of your heart are the outgoings of life. Isn't that interesting? Think about that. Outgoings of life originate in your heart. Your heart. Smith's literal translation says this. Guard thy heart with all watching. For from it, the goings forth of life. From your heart, goings forth of life. New Living Translation. A paraphrase. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart is what's determining the course of your life. What you do, what you're successful at, is all determined by your heart. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, when you're trying to change your life, you can do all the right things. You can try to say all the right things. You can try to make all the right decisions. But if you can't get in there and change your heart, it won't succeed. But if you can let God change your heart, if you can guard your heart from the evil things, you can then live out of that heart and you'll be successful. It's about getting your heart right. You're successful. Here's the thing. When you're trying to change your life, and, and you know this, let me just say it in a real, real plain, plain uh, way to explain it. You meet people who say they want to change, but deep down inside they don't really want to. Do you know what I mean? Their heart's deceiving them. That, that intention of the heart, that's your want to. That's your motivation. That's what will make you a success. When your words and your want to are in agreement, Right? If you really want to change, if you really want to accomplish something, if you really want to, you know, learn that new new thing, and you want to, you, you can be successful at it. But if the want to is not there, you're just wasting your time. Because you're not going to be successful at it. you got to get that want to and your words lined up. When what you say and how you live are in agreement, when they're going the same direction, that's when you're successful. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's when you're successful. Your heart, like I said, is that organ that, you know, is where 
spiritually speaking. That's your garden. That's where your life, you're growing things for your life. And you'll be able to bring them out into your life. Not only you bring them out, though, your heart is your heart is directing them out. It's Things are springing forth out of your heart into your life, and it's directing the course of your life. You're walking along through life, and, and, and you're making decisions, and you don't realize how much of it is your heart. Your heart's guiding you. Your heart's leading you. Your heart's causing things to come into your life. Your heart. You've got to guard that heart. It's your garden. What you're experiencing in your life is what you've allowed in your heart. So if you want to produce fruit for the kingdom, then you need to have the right kind of seeds sown in your heart. And God sees you as a kingdom producer, fruit producer. He's looking for fruit bearers. So if the intentions of our heart are connected to the cares of the world, deception of wealth, desiring other things, and just worldly pleasures, we're never going to be any good for bearing fruit for the kingdom. But if our intentions of our heart are connected to God, well, watch out. We can bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100 times what was sown. Wouldn't you like to be able to go to God and say, Lord, you gave me a seed, but look at this harvest. We have a lot more to do with it sometimes, I think. than we. You know, when we say it's all, it's all Jesus, it's not me, that's true because you can't, make a, you can't make a seed grow. If that miracle wasn't there, nobody could ever produce anything. But you know, you can keep the weeds out. You can keep the rabbits out. You can uh, keep the bugs off, you know what I mean? You can't keep the wheat and the tares out. And all of a sudden, your, your garden looks really good. And you all know it wasn't me. I mean, God's the one who put the power in the seed to grow. It's, it's true. But you've labored with him. You've partnered with him. And look at the beautiful harvest you produce in your life. Same thing. Same exact thing. You know, there's something freeing realizing that you have the freedom and the authority to make those decisions. You're not always waiting on the mysterious sovereign will of God. You're free to choose to grow fruit. You're free to choose to get the, the weeds out of your life. You really are. Hebrews 4.12 again. For the word of God is living and active, right? Listen to this. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Your heart has thoughts. Your heart is where you think. Isn't that interesting? Back to Proverbs 4.23 in this contemporary English version. It says, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. The Good News Translation says this, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So I think that's interesting. These are the more paraphrased versions. But the paraphrased versions trying to make an application, they're, they're, trying, they're not saying, you know, for from it flow the issues of life, what does that even mean, right? He's saying, guard your thoughts. Your thought life, how you think in your heart, is directing the course of your life. I think that's, I think that's a good way to say it. And Hebrews 4.12 talks about the thoughts and intentions of the heart. As you think in your heart. See, a seed comes as a thought, or a word, or an idea. It can come through conversation with other people. It can come through your friends, your good friends and your bad friends, you know. Bad company corrupts good morals. The Bible says that. It can come through what you spend your time with entertainment, kind of music you listen to, what you watch, what you surround yourself with. All of these thoughts, these ideas are potential seeds that can come into your heart. And you actually have the power to accept them or reject them. 
look at Luke 8, 12. It says, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Okay? They heard. And somehow, between the hearing and the believing, the devil came and took the seed. Okay? I don't want to get too technical here because I, I, I don't think... Um, I think sometimes we can get too technical on a thing and miss what God's saying. But what I see here is the word was spoken. It went into the heart. And before that heart could take root and be believed, the devil snatched it, right? Okay. Well, if the devil can snatch it, you can reject it. If the thought, if the words come in your, your heart, in your mind, it doesn't have to take root. You can reject it before it takes root. Larry, we were talking the other week, nip it in the bud, <laughs> right? <laughs> nip it in the bud. Get that thing when it's a seed. It's a whole lot easier to pull up a seed than just to pull up a weed with roots of fruit, right? <laughs> so if, if the devil can grab it right there between the hearing and it taking root, you can reject thoughts that come from the devil, right? Look at John 13, 12. This is talking about Judas. During supper... When the devil had already put into the heart of Jesus, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas. So the devil was putting a thought into him. Judas did not have to accept that thought. He could have rejected it. He accepted it. Right? We need to give the devil his thoughts back. If, if he can snatch God's word from your heart before it produces fruit, and we can reject his word from our lives before it produces fruit. But what we have to do is be diligent to guard our hearts, to guard our thought life. Proverbs 4, 20 and 23 again. Listen, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. See, you can choose to incline your ear to his sayings, you can choose to listen to his word, and then what? The next thing, keep them. Keep them. When you hear the right seed, keep it. <laughs> when you hear the wrong seed, reject it. It's guarding your heart. The sower sows the word, but not all seed produce the same measure of fruit. I want to tell you in three easy steps how to destroy your harvest. How to destroy your harvest in three easy steps. Number one. Entertain wrong thoughts and ideas. Entertain wrong thoughts and ideas. Proverbs 18, listen to this. The words of the whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. The words of the whisperer. Why is the wrong things so delicious? You ever think of that? Same reason that junk food is delicious. Come on, let's just be real. Doritos taste a lot better than Brussels sprouts. Come on. <laughs> it just does. I mean, sugar-coated gumdrops are way better than broccoli. My kids aren't here. I can say that. I'm sorry if your kids are. <laughs> Why is it the words of the whisper will go down into the deep part of your, of your body? It's because those gumdrops go down in the deep part of your body, too. <laughs> It just goes so easy. The King James says that the words of a talebearer, and the NAS says the words of a gossip. Well, be careful who you're in conversation with and who you're hanging around. Don't be hanging around a whisperer. 
of gospel. Those things, they, they you, you get addicted to them. You know, you eat a whole bag of Doritos, your head will be crying for more Doritos. <laughs> They've proven sugar is addictive. And these words are addictive when they go in your heart. They go down easy. And they produce bad fruit, but then you still want more. See, there's a modern-day parable. <laughs> if Jesus had been hanging around a bunch of people who know about health food today, he'd say, you know how sugar is addictive? Yeah, so are these words from uh, bad seeds, from gossips, and from people who are speaking ungodly things and slandering people behind their back. Yeah, you need to guard yourself from that. The same way you're, the same way you're diligent about limiting your sugar intake, <laughs> you need to limit your time with people who are not speaking the word of God. You know, don't let them sow into your life. Reject that when it comes. Romans 12, 2 talks about renewing the mind. You know it well, right? Don't be conformed to this world. How, how, how do you get conformed to this world according to Romans 12, 2? Let's read it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, so according to 12.2, how do you become conformed to this world? By not renewing your mind. By doing nothing. <laughs> doing nothing, you become conformed to this world. But if you want to be transformed, the Bible way of transforming is by renewing your mind. Watch what goes in there, guys. It's important. Be transformed by the renewing of mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty option raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You have the authority to take every thought that comes, that comes into your heart, and make it obey Christ. Say so that, you know, lines up with Christ in this way. It will be rejected. It will be stored here. However you do it, but you have authority of your heart to take these words captive and not allow them to come in. Because you're living out of your heart. Imagine if you could see the fruit, you know. Uh, it's easy to come as a seed. Come on, let's just be real. You know, the, that candy bar or whatever is unhealthy. It's, it's easy to see it like that. <laughs> you know, just that it seems so innocent and small. But a lifestyle of that leads to, you know, chronic health problems. Right? You know, but if you could see the fruit of those evil thoughts coming into your life as they're coming in, boy, I think it'd be a lot easy to, easier to reject. But it doesn't come that way. It comes as a seed. It works in your heart against you and brings forth bad fruit into your life. Or we receive God's word. We renew our minds to his word. And by the way, renewing your mind doesn't mean to think, oh, now what did God say about this? Renewing your mind is when you actually think the thoughts of God from spending time with God, from spending time in the Word, so that when something happens, your initial reaction is the same as Jesus' reaction. That's when your mind is renewed. And you remember, do you remember this? When, when uh, Peter came to Jesus and uh, Jesus was talking about, um, he just had that revelation. He said, you are Peter, and on this rock, rock I'll build my church. And then he goes on to talk about he's going to be crucified. And G, uh, Peter... <laughs> Being the man with the revelation now takes Jesus aside and decides he's going to straighten out his theology. He says, surely not, Lord. This isn't going to happen to you. And Jesus dealt so harshly with him. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He was rejecting that thought right there. Boom. At that point. Think about it. It's not something Jesus needed in his. You know what he had to go through in the garden? 
Do you think he needed those words ringing in his ears? You know, I'm, I didn't deserve this. I just came to help people. <laughs> you know, surely not. I don't have to die for these people. They rejected me anyway. <laughs> you know, he didn't have to deal with that one because he, he ended it. Boom, get behind me, Satan. I'm not taking that thought. You don't have to take a thought just because it comes. You can reject it. You can let it go. So, number one was what? Entertain wrong thoughts and ideas. That is how to destroy your harvest. You've got to take captive those thoughts. You've got to make your mind work for you. God had been dealing with me personally about that, you know, uh, just because it's, it's real easy to, to, uh, to just, you know, not, not bad things, just enjoy thinking about things. And, and he told me if I were to be more intentional with my thoughts, I could direct my life. And so it's, it's important what you spend time thinking about and meditating on. So number two, the second thing, the second uh, step in destroying your harvest is to tolerate wrong ideas. Okay? Or, I'm oh, sorry, not ideas, desires. Tolerating wrong desires. <coughs> because James 1.13 says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Verse 14 but each person is tempted when? When he is lured and enticed by his own desire. See, if you allow wrong desires to grow in your heart, you're giving the devil a foothold to later come and appeal to that desire. What we need to do is, if it's a desire that's not a godly desire, we need to end it. So I'm not going to go there. You have the authority to end that desire and direct your affections and your attention where they need to be. Because you just, you just don't want the devil to have a foothold. So number two, entertain wrong thoughts, wrong desires. And how to destroy your own harvest, point number three, prefer the things of this world over the things of God. James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James is hard, isn't it? <laughs> you, you adulterous people. <laughs> Friendship with the world, I mean, he's hard. I think a nicer way to say that would have been, you know, the things of this world are not helping you. This is, this is how we say it today because we don't speak so harshly to people. You know, the things of this world, they're really not helping you. They're not meant to actually fulfill you. They're meant to drag you away from God. It's true. That's easier to receive, isn't it? <laughs> Call me adulterous people. <laughs> no, the things of this world, they're not helping you. You let these desires and these things grow in your heart and you start putting your attention on things of the world more than God, it'll be very difficult to produce fruit. And our fruit would be limited at best. So we can, you know, as a good gardener, it just depends on how far you want to go. How big was that cauliflower your sister grew? <laughs> no. Keep telling me. <laughs> Humongous cauliflower. I mean, how far do you want to go? The thing is, it was in the seed. It was in the seed. It's the way she worked the soil. It was the way she protected the plant that made that thing. <laughs> Bigger than a normal cauliflower. <laughs> Guard your heart. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart. Why? Because God's word comes through your eyes and through your ears. Right? Comes through your eyes. How does the devil's seeds come in? Through your eyes and through your ears. When I used to teach this one to the kids, what I had was a pair of glasses. 
And I'd, put on, I'd get a volunteer and I'd put this pair of glasses on the kid. And I had gates. I wish I could have found them. I could have brought them here and one of y'all could have helped me. But we had gates over the eyes and we had gates over the ears. <laughs> and you could open and close them. And it was, I was teaching them to be aware that your eyes and your ears are gates to your heart. You know, a lot of kids say, man, I'm just listening to the music. I'm not listening to the words. Or, you know, I mean, people say that. Or, it doesn't matter. I can handle this kind of thing to watch it, you know. Well, the truth of the matter is, the things that you have opened your eyes to and opened your ears to are going to your heart. Because your eyes and your ears are connected to your heart. That's how you're made. It's like if you eat that food, it's going into your stomach. Oh, I just, I just eat this food. It doesn't really affect me. No. If you eat it, it goes into your body. It does. If you're watching it, if you're listening to it, if you're giving it your attention, it's going into your heart. You're made that way. It's just how it works. And so I would tell the kids, you know, guard your, guard your heart. Be careful what you look at. Be careful what you listen to. If you see something that, that is not what you know that God has for you, don't, don't live there. Don't stay there. Close those gates. That is how you guard your heart. And here's the thing. God is a good, a good manager. You know, you've heard the phrase in management, responsibility without authority. You know, one of the worst places to be is to be somewhere in middle management with responsibility, but no authority to make it happen. That is a, amen, that is a miserable place to be. Well, God's a good manager. He does not give you responsibility without authority. In fact, I've been experimenting this since I heard somebody say it over a decade ago. Responsibility is authority. And I have yet to find a place where that is not true in the scripture. Responsibility is authority. We all talk about wanting authority over the devil and authority over all this stuff. And the truth of the matter is he's given you responsibility. Take responsibility for more people and you'll have authority over the devil. Right? And so he gives you the authority and the, the responsibility and therefore the authority to reject these thoughts. You're the master of your heart. You can open it to him. You can open it to the world. You can open it to the devil. It's up to you. But because you have the responsibility, means you have the authority to choose. It's up to you. It's up to you. You are the, you are the gatekeeper. Luke 6.43 says this, No tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I like how the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, out of the good storeroom of his heart, a man produces evil out of the evil storeroom of his heart. Your heart is a storeroom. Your heart is a garden. It's what you, you know, what, what's a storeroom? It's like the refrigerator example, right? If you don't put anything in there, the pizza pockets and popsicles, when you go to open it up, you're going to have pizza pockets and popsicles. And if you don't put good things in your heart, when you go to speak, you're going to pull out only what's in there. And that's what's going to come out in your life. You put good things in there, rich things. Put some T-bone steak in there. Good, healthy things in your heart. Let it grow. Healthy trees, not thorns and thistles. Let that grow in your heart. 
Let that come out in your life. And when you go in there and, and go to your refrigerator, you'll have something for the world. When people come and want to pull, you know, fruit's not really just for you, is it? Fruit's for other people. People are going to come and want fruit from you. Same way Jesus wanted fruit from that fig tree. And you'll have it to help them. You know? As somebody connected to God, somebody with the life of God flowing through you, and they come and they have a need, and you're connected to God, you can meet that need because heaven is flowing through you. But it's not going to just happen unless we maintain that connection and guard our hearts. Draw near to God. James 4.8, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts. Remember what purity means. Purity means one thing. Right? Pure gasoline. Pure gold. All the impurities are gone. There's one thing. You can slice that thing any which way, and it's one thing. It's consistent all the way through. That's what a pure heart is. We can have a pure heart where people come and want to pull from us, and all we have to give them is God, because there's nothing else in there. That'd be a great place to be, wouldn't it? You sure would. So I'm going to close with this. I want you to listen to Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 11, if you're writing it down. Listen to how this summarizes everything I've said today. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Okay, that's how he is living. That's what he's doing. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. Right? Let his way and his thoughts, his outer life and his inner life, be in agreement. Why do we complicate things? Why do we have so many layers to our personality? I just want to be like a kid, just one layer deep. I think that's what it means when it means to come like a child. It's one layer deep. I mean, no pretense, none of this, you know, stuff where there's stuff under the surface, but I say it this way, just be free and be honest. Let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, isn't that beautiful? I should give anybody hope right there. We're not stuck. Uh, un the unrighteous man is not stuck in his ways and the wicked man is not stuck with his thoughts. He can come to the Lord and find pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. That's tough. <laughs> but that's why you have to forsake your ways. And that's why you have to forsake your thoughts, because you need to make your thoughts his thoughts. You may need to make your ways his ways. Then he goes on, and listen to the garden illustration here. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bud and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. He has sent us his word. He sent us his revelation. He sent us the person of Jesus, the living word. He's planted that word in our hearts. We can yield to that. We can forsake the ways of the world. We can forsake the thoughts of the world. And he will cause that thing to bud and grow in you until you grow and look exactly like Jesus. Let's do it. Let's do it. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word, Lord. We thank you for 
the word made flesh. We thank you for this word sown in our heart. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made to bring us to this place. Father, help us this week and as we go forward to take captive thoughts that are not from you and begin to be intentional about our thought life, about our heart life, and about guarding our hearts. In Jesus' name, we have the ability, because you have blessed us with the responsibility and the authority to do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.